It's time for the Hockey Minute, your source for all of today's hockey news with some opinion. Strap in for the fastest news in the NHL. This episode is proudly brought to you by fucking nobody. We don't have any sponsors. Now, here's your hosts, Brandon and Ryan. And here we are. Welcome back to another episode of the Hockey Minute. I am your host, Brandon. With me, as always, my co-host, Ryan. Ryan, how you doing, man? I'm, I'm doing well. I got a, a quick rant I got to get through. But before I get to that, how are you? How's life? <laughs> I'm good, buddy. Life is, uh, life is excellent with the family. Everybody's happy. We're, uh, we're actually really enjoying the, the quiet time with the quarantine. So everybody gets to you know, play in the yard and, uh, and hang out. It's been pretty awesome. All right. Well, oh, good. For, I'm glad you're enjoying the quarantine because I had my first moment where the quarantine really got to me. Okay. I got a quick story here. I just want to get through just to get this off my chest. <laughs> yeah. It's been, it's been eating me alive. So we haven't recorded in about a week and a half. So this is kind of an old story, but I was at the store and I'm not going to say which one because there's no free ads on this podcast, but <laughs> they had the strips of tape down on the ground. So when I got to the, the store, I'm, I'm identifying, okay, I stand on my piece of tape and I mean, I haven't stood in a line that long since my Gabby's days. So I'm standing there and I hear two ladies walk up and they're talking about how they stood in line at another store for two hours, right? And, uh, and so as I'm standing there and I'm listening to them, I start to smell perfume. And I'm thinking either this lady totally overdid it or she's standing directly behind me. Okay, so I do a quick shoulder check and, I, and sure enough, she's, she's not at all standing on her little strip of tape on her island. <laughs> so I move up a bit because I'm thinking, let's just create some distance here. She, she follows me, okay? Now, keep in mind, two months ago, I would have lost it on her. But I can't do that now. I'm a, I'm a public figure. I host a podcast, <laughs> yeah. right? I can't hurt the brand. That's it. So I turned around and I just said to her, and I put on a nice smile. I said, hey, just so you know, I'm not standing this far back and outside of the store because I don't want to go in. And I see the hamster wheel turning in her brain. Like, <laughs> what did he mean by that? So we keep moving up and she's still right behind me. And now there's a security guard at the front. And so how they've got it set up is there's pallets of product to separate the entrance from the exit. So I see a lady come out just by herself. So the security guard gives me the look, gives me the nod, come on in. And I'm walking in and I hear these two ladies still yakking away behind me. So then the guard says, hey, you've got to stop. And I turn around and these, these two women were trying to come in just behind me when they shouldn't have, right? So, you know, it's simple math, right? It's one for one. It's Taylor Hall for Adam Larson. <laughs> I, I go in because one lady yeah. left. These two are coming in like future considerations, just kind of <laughs> as an add-on. Trailers. And the guard, he goes like, yeah, the guard is like, hey, like only one. And no joke, the, the one lady with the too much perfume, she goes, well, he went in. <laughs> Now, I feel bad for the guard because he's making like 15 bucks an hour, right? It's not worth it for him to just get into it. So he lets him come in. Absolute disgrace, though. Just no regard for what's going on around. And, and, and keep in mind, this is like week seven, right? If, if, it was, if the pandemic hit yesterday, I would give him some slack. Like maybe they didn't read the news. Maybe they're unaware. But it's, we've been doing this long enough. So 
just you know that 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 bothered me it's been on my my mind for so long i wanted to get, you know i wanted to get it out that was then this is now i'm excited to be here man i i've missed you every time my phone rings i hope it's you it'll say like my mom i'm like i'll get it later i'm really excited to record this love just just kidding love you mom but really excited to record this. We got some news. It was actually a busy news week, so uh, I'll send it back to you to kick us off. We, we do, but is there no order? What is going on in this world if <laughs> if you could just blow by? It's like it's yeah, it's like the purge. It's just people are just. It's like a very. It's it's it's, it's the Canadian purge. It's like rather than looting and murdering, it's just like ah, I'm gonna just I'm gonna stand three feet away instead of six. That's it. We're going to politely apologize while we shank you and take your last roll of toilet paper. (laughs) (laughs) And that's actually what they bought. So maybe she just had to go to the bathroom. I don't know. There you go. All right. Well, I'm going to try and shake that off. (laughs) And uh, we're going to head into the news blast. All right. So the NHL is making its case for a June draft. Oscar Lindblom is undergoing final cancer treatment. George LaRock diagnosed with COVID-19. Grayson Cameron from the 2018 Humboldt Broncos is committed to the Northland College in the NCAA. Elvis Merzlikin signs a two-year, $8 million deal with the Columbus Blue Jackets. Amiraslav Halak has signed a one-year, $2.25 million contract extension with the Boston Bruins. John McDonough was fired from his president's role with the Blackhawks. The NWHL expands to Toronto. Ivan Provorov is training to fight Rocky. Matt Zuccarello isn't happy with the Rangers' treatment of Lundqvist. And Matt Kachuk thought he might have been drafted by the Edmonton Oilers. Let's get on with the show. All right, Ryan. So the NHL is making its case for a June draft online. And I think that's, that's obviously going to be the first time this has been attempted with the NHL. But uh, I believe they just tried this with the NFL, did they not? Yeah, they did, actually. And uh, how did that go? Well, it was hilarious. I mean, it makes for great viral moments. And I think the NFL, it's a different breed, right? But I was thinking, what would you like, what would you like to see in the NHL? Because I had this vision, if they're doing it, like how they, I think with uh, Bobby Ryan, I heard an interview with him recently. He was talking about his draft, and, and that was 2005. There was the lockout. And he said that they only took the top 20 ranked skaters and they went to like a Hilton hotel. And, uh, and that was the, the Crosby draft. So I was thinking you gotta, you gotta imagine they're going to have the top 20 to 25 ranked people on this call. Maybe they have everybody. I don't know, but you gotta pretty much guarantee the top 20 ranked are going to be picked in the first round. And then after that, it's a bit of a crapshoot. Some guys fall, some guys, you know, they jump up. But wouldn't it just be something else if Gary Bettman's in a full suit in like his kitchen and he's making the announcements and it kicks over to some kid who's just sitting there in his underwear eating right. <laughs> eating a bowl of cereal like Cal Peterson, just a complete psychopath. And <laughs> straw hanging out of his mouth. And it's just like <laughs> Yeah. And the kid's just sitting there like all of a sudden the camera's on him, he's like, Oh, like he, like he thought he was gonna go like 28th and he he goes fifth and he's just not ready (laughs) yeah see like i I think they're gonna have to find something to be prepared because obviously that would be less than ideal i I saw some funny clips of the the, uh, nfl draft of some mom dragging a a, a overzealous girlfriend off of the face of a a boyfriend who'd just been drafted i think the nhl was a little bit too classy to have something like that happen i think there'd probably be a ruler across the head before they got to that 
got to that level, but I'm I'm really hoping we're going to see some some caught unaware people, maybe some uh, some pantsless fathers walking through the back of the shot, going to get a beer, watching the draft, something like that. <laughs> it cuts into like one kid getting drafted. He's got three girls all over him. Like none of them are his sister. It's just he's <laughs> just like uh, he's like this is my life now. <laughs> I think I'd be more worried if his sister was all over. Uh, well, yeah, but I just picture some kid. He's just got like three gorgeous girls. He's just like, he's like oh, the yeah, Lou Williams yeah. of the NHL. That's it. All right. Well, a huge congratulations and some good news for Oscar Lindblom is undergoing his final cancer treatments. And hopefully we're going to see him back with the Philly Flyers uh, uh, when this next season starts up. Uh, anything that you wanted to add? No, just uh, great news, right? We talked about this a little bit yeah. on a on a past episode. We touched on this during the the, the Colby Cave um, episode that hockey players are just we expect nothing but good news, and I, I'm not really surprised to see Lindblom is recovering nicely. It's been a bit of a grind for him, obviously, but he's I mean he's been the light for the Flyers too, and I, I do kind of think he's an underrated part of their success because yeah. I think they're all playing for him and. And so uh, looking forward to seeing him come back and, and on, you know, obviously we wish him the best health. Absolutely. And uh, a little bit of, yeah, I mean, I won't say sad news, but a little bit of a downer. Uh, George Larocq diagnosed with COVID-19. I mean, I don't, I don't want to, uh, to play a doctor, but I have a feeling he's going to be absolutely fine. But you never want to see anybody unwell. No, he's George Larocque. <laughs> yeah, exactly. He's, he's, he's one of the toughest enforcers uh, the league's ever seen. So. Yeah, he's. I saw that he has asthma. I didn't even realize that, which is kind of crazy to think about. He played as long as he did and and fought. And I've never been in a fight, but I would imagine it's probably pretty taxing on your <laughs> cardiovascular system. <laughs> so I would yeah. be told. Um, yeah. So the fact that he, you know, he seems the picture of him, he looked very upbeat too, and I, it yeah. tells me that he's not overly concerned. He's just gonna just gonna get through this, and he's a very positive guy. So absolutely. All right, back to some positive news with Grayson Cameron from the 2018 Humboldt Broncos committing to Northland College in the NCAA. Uh, obviously stoked for him. I mean, as, as far as I know, he's the first Bronco from that accident to kind of move on to uh, further his hockey career. Yeah, he had a broken back. It's When that story broke a couple of years ago, um, took me a little while to comprehend just how, how devastating it was. And mm-hmm. this is one of the first kind of signs of... You're right. I think he's the first one to just move on in a way, and it's it's got to be not just a, a huge thing for Grayson Cameron for his family, but for the Broncos organization, for the city, for the league, um, the hockey world. Really, I mean, uh, how many kids on a daily basis around this time of the year they commit to university? Right? There's tons. Uh, we're talking about him because of the story there, and it's just a huge win for the hockey world and mm-hmm. um so again just really excited for him and and it'll be interesting to see how he plays at northland maybe it translates to a, a pro contract somewhere yeah absolutely i'm sure that we'll watch his uh his career with interest going forward uh great news for elvis merzlikens and his family as he signs a two-year eight million dollar deal with the columbus blue jackets i mean if he can keep up anywhere close to how he was playing that is a ridiculous steal for the the blue jackets yeah i'll ask you do, do you think would you rather have elvis merzlikens and Jonas corpusallo i hope i got that right <laughs> uh both of them yeah or would you rather have two-time Vezina winner sergey Bobrovsky, but at 10 million dollars 
Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's no question. You can go with Merz Leakins. Uh, it's, it's funny how I think that way, because almost for every other position, I'd want to go with a tried-and-true tested player. But for some reason, for goaltending, probably the most important position in the game, uh, I feel a good goaltending coach and a hot goalie can do just as well. Yeah, yeah, it's because Bobrovsky didn't play that great to start off. And, and no. so... It, Columbus, I, I, we, we, we don't talk about them enough, but it's crazy just how they still, they, they find these guys and they still stick around. Yep. We know they're superstars. Uh, Dubois, he's going to be a star. Yeah. Seth Jones, Zach Wierenski, but they have these guys that just come out of nowhere. Merzlikens is, I, I, I don't even think he was drafted. I could be wrong on that, but he comes in and he just he lights the world on fire so hopefully it's a jordan binnington type situation where he's he gets the contract he's going to be uh, getting better as as time goes on and columbus is just still sticking around in the metro yeah absolutely i mean we we talked about this a bit in our own uh on our awards before but uh, tortorella's done tortorella has done such a fantastic job there with the blue jackets and I mean, they're always playing kind of above their weight class. And I mean, I don't expect them to stop. So I'll look forward to that as well. Uh, I think I called him Miroslav, but it's Yaroslav Halak signed a, a one-year $2.25 million contract out of a bit of a brain fart there. Um, well, that's an awesome deal for Boston. I mean, obviously, he's just looking for a cup. Uh, one year, didn't have the chance to play behind Tuka Rask and, and remain, I mean, keep their window open and keep competitive with what I think was probably the best tandem in the league last year. Um, I don't know. I think this makes sense from all sides. How about you? Yeah, I would agree with you. Uh, it- Boston's keeping that window open absolutely and for Halak he's he's an older guy I think he was drafted back in 03 ninth rounder which they don't even have those anymore and like so the fact that he's still around uh, 17 years later and it's a great deal for Boston because it gets you know they're not committing a, a super long term deal to him yeah and I think it makes sense for him too because he's at that stage in his career where he's still a great goaltender if Next year, Boston gets off to a slow start, and maybe they're out of the playoffs or they're not looking like they're going to contend. It's easy to move that kind of a contract if he says, "Hey, I want a shot at a cup. Send me to a you know, send me to a place where I'm going to have a chance to back up and and maybe step in and, and be a starter in, in case of an injury." So it's a good move for both sides. As much as I hate it, because like Boston is just oh. everything goes right for them. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, uh, I don't know. Nobody's going to cry for them if, if they have a, a San Jose type year, but I just I don't see that coming for a long time, which kills me. <laughs> uh, John, John McDonough fired from his president's role with the Blackhawks. I mean, this is actually kind of a surprise to me, considering how successful the Blackhawks have been under his, his tenure there. I mean, I guess everybody's kind of hired to be fired in the executive roles for the uh, management teams for the NHL teams, but I still, I don't know, I was a bit shocked. How about you? Yeah, it's... It's crazy because you, you hit the nail on the head, right? The executives they usually survive. <laughs> it's it's always the you know it's players get shipped out, then coaches get fired, and you know then it's like Stan Bowman's been there probably close to the same amount of time. Yeah. He look John McDonough can look back on his tenure with a lot of pride and oh. three cups, and yeah. I mean yeah, the last couple of years were rocky, but it's no different than players right as as an executive or a coach or even if you're the athletic trainer you just want to win and so 
I'm sure he'll get picked up somewhere. It's obviously teams right now aren't really looking because nobody knows what's going on. <laughs> nobody knows what's going on anymore. But I don't. I don't think he's he's losing any sleep. I mean, it, it sucks to be let go, but three cup rings will will help you. Oh yeah, I'm sure he's he's going to land just fine anywhere that he wants to. Should he choose to to stay in the <laughs> in the hockey realm, right? He'll be just fine. Yeah, and it. I mean, the the social media comments that I found just regarding this were were crazy like so many people thought that uh like one one tweet said usually someone that accomplished sorry someone usually someone that accomplished gets a gold watch ceremony and the right to quote unquote retire feels like there's more here and like stan bowman is kind of a polarizing figure because when uh, joel quenville was fired fan base seemed to to say that was the wrong decision that stan bowman needs to do a better job with with what he's been doing Mm -hmm. and now it's kind of the same reactions online with john mcdonough being fired it's like people were saying of all the things that are going wrong with the blackhawks right now is the marketing and the business side the biggest problem you know it's uh so you kind of wonder what's going on in chicago i i mean the ownership seems to have faith in stan bowman but it seems like the fan base is kind of like what's this guy doing and um so you know what the thing is joel quenville went off to florida uh, coached them uh, to, to a pretty successful year. I mean, they could have been better, but I feel like John McDonough is going to do the same thing. He'll get scooped oh, yeah. up and, and help a franchise out majorly. Yeah, I mean, uh, absolutely. I think Stan Bowman has been involved in the Chicago organization since he was in utero. <laughs> so I think they're pretty hesitant to get rid of him there, but uh, everything probably falls off his shoulders on everybody else. I've heard uh, that that there was some metal, meddling maybe involved in some of the trades that went on that Stan Bowman gets blamed on, like the uh, Artemi Panarin trade and, and uh, for Brandon Saad and stuff like that. Um, yeah. So anyway, the moving on, the, the NWHL is officially heading to Toronto. They're going to be the league's sixth team, uh, yet to be named. They're uh, going to be led by Digit Murphy as the team's president, uh, one of the most polarizing people in women's hockey. Yeah, yeah, it's it's going to be a, a good move, right? Hockey, I hate to say it, but Toronto is kind of the epicenter of all things hockey. Uh-huh. And they come in as the sixth team. So there's uh, there's the Connecticut Whale, there's the Minnesota Whitecaps, there's the Metropolitan Riveters, which is in New Jersey, Boston Pride, and the Buffalo Buttes. So Toronto's being coming into the league is pretty central. But what was interesting was actually I was reading that in the the last NWHL draft happened just recently, and Toronto I guess was gifted the first overall pick as a, mm-hmm. the new franchise, and they traded it to Boston. Yeah, because the the woman that was going to go first overall was a Boston. I think she went to Boston College or Boston University, one of the two. And it was such a, a disparity with the NWHL versus the NHL because I can't imagine Jack Hughes getting picked first overall, and he's a Florida native. Him being picked by you know if he got picked by Edmonton, him saying, "Well, you know that's kind of far. I can't uproot my life. Right, <laughs> I got to stay in Florida." So you know. Uh, trade that pick to Tampa so I can stay here so you know but for Toronto to get a team though I think it makes absolute sense it's gonna I think that's gonna help the women's game grow to be honest in just a city that size who's hockey crazy and as we've seen with the Toronto Raptors the Leafs aren't the exclusive number one team obviously they're they're gonna be the team everyone watches but the Marlies won a, a Calder Cup in the last few years and people were really excited for them and people really got behind the team and so if uh, this and there's no name yet for this toronto team but if they can have some success i fully expect that people will start to 
you know, pay more attention to them and get behind them and rally behind them. And, uh, and then the Leafs can continue to toil in mediocrity. <laughs> yeah, I mean, one criticism I've, I've heard about the Toronto market is it's, it's more of a Leafs market than a hockey market. So I am very curious to see <clears throat> how it plays out if they're going to have attendance. I mean, if they have a middling few seasons, which wouldn't be unexpected, they're an expansion team, right? Who knows how they're, they're going to be built. So are they going to have the, uh, the support they need? Yeah, I think, though, with it is, like I say, with it, it's so hard for, for these women to just pack up and, and leave, right? If they've got a full-time job, you can't just be drafted by, I mean, in, in some cases, a different country now that there's a Toronto team. Yeah. So the one, the one thing is you got to imagine they're going to be picking up a ton of local talent because I, I would imagine even for the women that play in the Olympic stream, you know, you probably want to live in a place like Toronto um, with all the resources that's there. So, yep. the, who knows? Toronto might come in. The, they they might be the Vegas Golden Knights of the NWHL, <laughs> and they might, yeah. they get a ton of studs, and they come in and and they set the world on fire. So, it'll be interesting to see. Yeah, that's a really interesting point about their geography. I hadn't actually considered that. It almost parallels the the early Montreal Canadiens when they just scooped up all of the local French talent and smoked the league, and they were like, "What? It's fair." It's like, "Oh, fuck you." <laughs> <laughs> what the fuck is this? Yeah. So maybe it'll be able to see more of that. Yeah, there's a 12-year-old girl playing in, in, in some league in the greater Toronto area, and this Toronto team's already signed her to like a lifetime deal. Like, yeah. like, snapping her <laughs> yeah, up now, exactly. snapping her up now. Yeah, yeah. it's like it's like Scientology. It's a thousand-year contract. <laughs> She's fucked. <laughs> All right. So Ivan Provorov, I mean, I, I joked a bit in the, news, in the news blast, he's training to fight Rocky, but seriously, this kid is a monster. He's training six hours a day with his billet family, trying to prepare for the season. And one, what, what I really wanted to bring up about this is that there's going to be a wild disparity between the players when they're all returning to play these. If it's just the playoffs they're coming back for, it's going to be insane to see guys like Provorov versus, I mean, whoever, Vertanen or Ovi or whoever is out there just celebrating more than what. So I like how you... you lumped Vertanen in with Ovechkin as if that's the same same thing yeah same same, same caliber yeah 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 yeah, yeah exactly that's about yeah, it I, you, Ver, uh, or not Vertanen sorry but Provorov uh, recent interview with Kevin Hayes he talked about just how insane this kid is with his training and uh, yeah. I wish I loved anything like Ivan Provorov loves training apparently because <laughs> when he's putting in six yeah. hours I don't even put in six hour days at work and I'm scheduled eight hours so <laughs> the, the fact that he's out here and, and in the middle of what we're what we're dealing with for him to yeah. to stay I mean how many guys went back to their hometowns and just kind of shacked up with their their wives and their kids and and are just kind of you know Brendan Gallagher's out here making TikToks and <laughs> you know some guys have they they got a, a nice property and they're just lounging by the pool and and he's staying with a billet family which is crazy because he's like 24 and he's just training six hours a day so I agree with you I think when the league starts up again he's probably going to be the second coming of like Bobby Orr yeah and some of the it'll take some time for other players to catch up but I mean what do you think he's doing though? Like I, oh, I feel man. like a Russian kid like that. He's not just he's not he does like I, I feel like he hasn't found a gym where he can go in. I feel like he's chopped down a tree, <laughs> and he's he's like squatting the tree or something it's, like it's that. It's all in a sauna. Like everything he's doing, he's chopping a tree that he grew in the sauna. He's he's a fucking maniac. <laughs> like his his, his Bella family is like shit. I wish he'd chip in for food though. This kid's <laughs> he's making millions. Yeah. yeah. 
All right, so Matt Zuccarello isn't happy with the Rangers' treatment of Henrik Lundqvist. I mean, I might say that uh, the management wouldn't be happy with Lundqvist's play, but that's uh, that's really not for us to say, I guess. Uh, we're going to throw it over to our staff writer, Jules, who's got some thoughts on the treatment. Jules? Hello, everybody. Jules here, one of your Hockey Minute writers, coming on to cover more about the Rangers' tri-goalie dilemma. Before I jump into what some of the players and staff had to say about the situation, I just wanted to do a brief recap for those who may not have followed what went on. During the second half of the season, the Rangers were struggling fighting for a playoff spot, so they called up Igor Shesterkin from Hartford, and he gave them the push that they needed. His success earned him the number one starting spot over Lundqvist a month later. Around that same time in early January, perhaps even earlier, Alexander Georgiev, the third goaltender in the mix, was being set up as trade bait and getting more time on ice. But then Igor was injured in a car accident right before the deadline, and Georgie was kept around to fill in for him, leaving Hank as the backup. Many fans are pretty split about the situation. There are some who are criticizing those responsible for drastically reducing the amount of games he's played. And then there are others who are saying it's the business and the way things go. I talk more about Hank's career and the situation in its entirety in our sixth episode, Lundquist's Last Lap. So check that out if you want a more in-depth analysis. So within this past week, Shesterkin, Coach Quinn, and Zuccarello all voiced their opinions about the situation. Starting off with something light, a few days ago, Igor posted a Q&A on his Instagram story talking about his admiration for Hank and his perspective on the situation. I doubt that he knows he's my idol, only if some of the teammates told him. Henrik is a really friendly and helpful person. Looking at how Henrik is working off the ice and on it, how he presents himself, helps me to emphasize something useful for myself. It is true that his situation is really hard now, but he doesn't show it. He works the same way. He does everything for the team. The Rangers mean a lot for him. It's a big and important part of his career. He spent his whole life here. He really does his best no matter what. It's a classy move on Igor's part, and definitely not a surprise to hear how well Hank's been handling this either. Now, Quinn states, Igor was the best goalie in the American Hockey League, and eventually we had to call him up. Everybody got an opportunity, and we just felt that Igor separated himself a bit during that stretch, which in turn, we turned to him to be the guy that was going to get most of the starts. The numbers spoke for themselves. Everybody understood it. I can't Google how do you handle three goalies and one them a Hall of Famer. There's no right or wrong answer. I'm sure I made mistakes along the way handling the situation. I certainly didn't do it intentionally, but I give these guys a ton of credit. They handled it like pros and made it manageable. Now, I'm not going to knock Quinn on this. I think if most of us were in his shoes, it would be a hell of a challenge trying to juggle this. And when there isn't an easy answer, what are you to do other than rely on what you're familiar with? And in the past, he's been known to give players a healthy scratch if they haven't really been delivering, star or not. So I can't imagine that this is any different, and you hear it straight from the horse's mouth that the numbers spoke for themselves. The decision was based off going with the guy who's more consistent rather than going with the fan favorite, or the star alone, which I think is a fair approach. Now, as for Zuccarello, his reaction to the situation was mentioned in a Swedish paper, Sport Uh He states, it's disrespectful. He is starting to get older, yes, and they have another good goalkeeper, but they could have let him play the matches Shesterkin doesn't play. When talking about his trade, he states, I never thought that would happen to me either. In my eyes, I would have ended the Rangers' career. 
I think Hank wanted that too, that everything would be fine and good, but then the management decides and you're not worth a damn. So Zuccarello will always be loved in New York. I was even at the Garden when they played against Minnesota this past season, and the tribute for the guy was huge. I mean, everyone must have been cutting onions because, damn, I was so choked up. I know that their situations are different, but I can also see why he would feel so strongly about this because uh, there are a lot of similarities. You got a fan favorite on the chopping block, a fan favorite that still has fire and skill, who have spent their entire careers with this organization. But Zook's trade, from a business standpoint, was one of the many decisions that needed to be done in order to keep the Rangers' rebuild moving along. And I will say, from an emotional standpoint, it hurts. There are guys that we've enjoyed watching for many years, and they've certainly devoted so much effort and time into this organization. To the players, the team becomes their second family. So to see how it all can just abruptly end like that is not an easy pill to swallow. Hank's reaction to Zook's trade definitely proves that as well. For all we know, that could be some foreshadowing for what is yet to come. Let's just hope that this all ends on an amicable note. Awesome. Thanks for that, Jules. All right, moving on. Matt Kachuk thought he was going to be drafted by the Edmonton Oilers in an interview with uh, Overdrive. Uh, Matt Kachuk said, quote, going through the whole draft process, I'm thinking of myself as a pretty good player at the time. You can ask anyone in the Flames organization. I thought it was going to Edmonton. After the draft, after all that stuff, I thought it was kind of a slam dunk to go forth that year. So, quote, the only people that saw it were me and my mom. So we were like, all right, we're going to go to Edmonton. Then Pierre-Luc Dubois went third overall, and you just see those phones start ringing like crazy at the Edmonton table, he added. They threw a jersey underneath the table, looked like they stripped off the name, then gave the jersey to Pouliarvi with the next pick. So, I mean, I just, I just wanted to touch on this, because how insane would it have been for Kachuk to go basically anywhere else other than Calgary? But, I mean, especially to the Oilers, where he could play with, with McDavid. He's the perfect winger that they're looking for. He's, he's Cassian plus. So, imagine having Cassian and, and uh, Kachuk on the wings of McDavid. It's, you'd have to go back to... to Semenko with Gretzky, right? Like that's that's pretty wild. Yeah, it's it would have changed the entire landscape, right? And it's it's so crazy to think about that draft and how Matthews was the consensus number one, and then Pulyarvi was for a long time the consensus number two, and and obviously Columbus they saw something in Dubois that most people must not have. But to think, I mean, yeah, if Kachuk's on the Oilers, he's probably still a 60 to 70 point guy doing what he's doing yep. and just create more space out there and and probably the most annoying tandem with uh with Kachuk and with Cassian together oh yeah maybe Edmonton you know maybe Edmonton doesn't even keep Cassian for all I know I don't I have no idea but it's it's got to be one of those things Edmonton they got to be kicking themselves a little bit here because the guy that they drafted isn't even in the NHL it doesn't sound like he wants to play for them and on the uh, you know just just down the highway, you've got a guy who is literally causing line brawls <laughs> because of his antics. So it would have been would have been nuts. I mean, you're the Vancouver guy. Did you ever? I mean, you must have thought fifth overall for sure. Oh, buddy. I mean, everybody, <laughs> everybody in Vancouver has has so much angst over over that pick. I mean. He's, 
there's, there's a lot of players that play well in certain environments and don't play well in other environments. And, and I think you could plug in Matt Kachuk on 31 teams. He'd play the same way. He'd be just as effective. And the fact that everybody seemed to miss that, or a lot of people seemed to miss that. And as, as a side note, miss that on Brady. There was so much consternation over Brady Kachuk not being a good player because he wasn't putting up phenomenal numbers, but he's the exact same fucking blueprint as Matt. So anyway, I, I think every team is lucky to have a Kachuk. Uh, I wish they had more, honestly, so we could have another crack at them. Yeah, my brother still brings up the that draft. He, you know, he loves Matt Kachuk. My brother kind of played like Matt Kachuk, so uh, would have been would have been great to see him in a Vancouver jersey. But hindsight being twenty twenty is yeah. He's. I mean, he's probably going to be the captain in Calgary. I would. I would oh, assume. Yeah. I, I yeah. can't think of anybody else. You know, Sean Monahan doesn't seem like he's got that leadership. And uh, Kachuk, I feel, is going to be a lifelong flame. Yeah, yeah. I, I think you're absolutely right there. Uh, did you want to give a shout out to uh, on the bench with Beaks and those guys? Yeah, I wanted to just say we haven't, as I said, we haven't recorded in a week and a half. So one of our uh, our fellow podcasters on the bench with Beaks, they had some very kind things to say, giving us shout outs and that kind of stuff on their last couple of episodes. And uh, we are going to have those guys on, uh, you know, one at a time, obviously, just with our our logistics here. But yeah, we are we got some exciting things coming up. Those guys, go check them out. They're on the same platforms: Spotify, Apple, Anchor, Overcast. Uh, give them a listen. Just uh, some guys from Colorado, and I know you've listened to them too, Brandon. Yeah. They they think we have accents. <laughs> I, I think they have accents. Absolutely. Who's right? <laughs> That's a tough one. I mean, uh, obviously. Obviously, we're right, but we'll, we'll we'll leave that for them to decide when they come on. It's uh, we'll 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 let the guest break the tie. Yeah, like it's you know they say we have a certain twang, and I <laughs> I, I don't hear it myself. Yeah, but um, we've we've got some exciting stuff coming for our listeners. We've got some great interviews lined up. It's it's a really exciting time with our podcast uh, just moving forward. So keep listening and. Thank you for all the support that everyone's given us and check us out on all of our social media platforms as well. Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, uh, at the hockey minute. And uh, you got anything you want to, you want to finish up with? Uh, No, man, that was awesome. I just want to give a big thanks to Jules for coming on and giving her thoughts about uh, Zuccarello and the Lundqvist situation. Uh, Thanks Ryan for another nice chat. Uh, I'm Brandon and uh, we'll catch everybody next time on the hockey minute. We'd like to take a second and thank you, the listener, for joining us. And a big thanks goes to our writers and production team, Jules, Mark, and Matt. We couldn't do this without you. That's going to do it for us. This is Brandon and Ryan. We'll talk to you next time on the Hockey Minute. Uh, This is what prepared looks like.